Well, we are starting a new series today uh, to kick off the new year, and the title of the series is Focus, and it comes from three key verses in Hebrews chapter 12, but the key verse is from, from verse 2 where it says, look to Jesus, the author or the founder and perfecter of our faith. And so we're going to be thinking about in the midst of difficult circumstances or trials in life, or when things are not like you think they should be, or maybe a little bit overwhelming, when we learn to take our eyes off of those situations, we need to learn to focus our attention on Christ so that we do not become weary or lose heart. And we're going to be spending most of our time over the next six weeks in these three verses in chapter 12, but we're going to use that as a base camp then to launch into other uh, verses of Scripture. And uh, we'll be looking at that over the next six weeks. Now, as I look back on 2018, I think about a lot of pastoral conversations with people. I think about a lot of opportunities to sit down with individuals who had certain needs and they wanted to talk through those things. Some of those conversations were uh, planned. Maybe they happened after a worship gathering like this and somebody said, can we sit down and talk for about 10 minutes about some challenge they had in their life? Some of them happened uh, by someone calling me or emailing me and say, can I stop by the office this week sometime? I'd like to sit down and talk about a challenge that we have. And some of them happen spontaneously. I mean, uh, wherever I am, sometimes somebody will come up. I might be at Kroger down here, and somebody will come up to me in the candy aisle, and I'll be picking out and having in my hand my favorite candy, Sour Punch straws, and I'll feel a little bit guilty and have to blame one of my children on it. This is just for them. It's not really for me. It's not really for me at all, but it really is. And uh, those conversations will happen, and somebody will say, hey, could you talk for a few minutes? I look back at those meetings over the last year. And essentially, I think the message that I give is pretty much the same message. The application is different every time based on the situation, but it seems like the message is very similar. Do you know what that message was? I mean, it might be a couple in a marriage crisis. It might be a young woman who miscarried her baby, a mother who tried to advise her son who's on drugs, or someone who lost a loved one. What would you say to someone in a situation like that? What do you think that person needs to hear? And some of those stories today you can relate to, and maybe you have your own. Maybe we had a conversation this year about something where you felt overwhelmed or discouraged, or maybe you talked to someone else. And for a long time in ministry, I took kind of a, a Mr. Rogers kind of approach where you put on that nice sweater and put an arm around somebody and just say, hey, everything's going to be okay. Just hang in there. It's going to be okay. Pat them on the back, say, I'm so sorry. And sometimes that message is needed for people, especially those who have gone through a difficult time in some way. Maybe uh, they're a victim in some way, and maybe they really did need somebody just to, just to encourage them. And sometimes that's appropriate. But I've found over the years that rather than Mr. Rogers, sometimes a better counseling approach is more like William Wallace of Braveheart, right? Uh, paint up the face. And because what I've discovered is that oftentimes in these situations where people experience uh, difficulty or challenge, the message they need to hear is hang in there, don't give up, don't quit, don't don't, don't quit. There, there is a time where you need to get into the game. You need to fight the fight. You need to run the race that's in front of you. It's hard. I know you're tired. I know you feel like you can't keep going, but you can. With God's help, with God's power, you're going to make it through this. You can fight another day. So don't quit today. Don't quit. Stay in there. And I've just learned that a lot of times people need that kind of a message. They need a message of hope. They need a message of challenge. They need a message that encourages them. And in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at how God gives us strength 
in the midst of these kinds of times? How can our faith persevere? Now, I know for a lot of you, there are moments where you need that Mr. Rogers kind of a voice. Maybe you have somebody in your life who will challenge you and encourage you like that. They'll put an arm around you and just say, I'm just here for you. I just want to listen to you. And there are some of you today who need that other message, the message of the writer of Hebrews, who says, keep going. Don't quit. Stay in there. You know, I do, um, I do some coaching uh, at the gym about six or seven hours a week. And uh, there are many of the wads work out of the day. There are many of those wads that are difficult and challenging. And how many of you know my coaching approach is generally something like this? When it gets a little bit hard and the rounds get a little bit later, I have this tendency to put my arm around somebody and say, you know, it's all right. You can just quit. It's fine. Go grab a cup of water. It's no big deal. Look around. Everybody else is tired, too. In fact, this whole class should take their time off right now. Let's just go get a cup of coffee at Kala. Right? How many of you? Okay, I know, I know. Some of you have been in my coaching. No, usually my speech sounds more like it might be entitled, suck it up. Right? I mean, it might be entitled, why don't you just keep going? I know it's hard. In the later rounds especially, I want you to stay focused. Stay in there. You can do it. Come on. Don't give up. Don't give up. And you always have to find people's triggers. What is it that will trigger somebody to do something? There's one of our guys in the gym that nothing triggers him. He's got his own timetable. I could get right in his face. Come on. Come on. Let's go. And he just sits there like, nope, nope, I'm just taking my break right here. I'm like, come. I've tried every approach. But the other day, we were in the gym, and he was there, and we were talking about a workout. And I was like, uh, I think the workout took me like 27 minutes last time we did it. I was like, how long did it take you? And he said, it took me like 40 minutes. I went, 40 minutes? Like, I didn't even mean it to come out that way, but it sounded like I was ridiculed. I was like, 40 minutes? That's, okay. And he was like, what do you mean 40 minutes? And now he's discouraged. But he did better that day. He did it in 20-some minutes that day. I'm like, I finally found his trigger. Ridicule him before he gets started. It's a good thing to do. But I think what the message of Hebrews, and we read this message in Hebrews chapter 12, we need to think in the mind of someone who's coaching you. Everybody's tired. Everybody feels that way. But now's the time where you need to step up. Now's the time where you don't want to give up. Now's the time where you've got to stay in the game. Don't seek the comfort. And so in verse 1 it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary and be faint-hearted. And the implication of this verse is, just like Jesus, the author and founder of our faith, he endured the cross, so you should endure, so that you do not become weary or faint-hearted. And it just tells us, the writer of Hebrews says, look, the message is, let's just stay in the game. Let's keep going. In the very first verse, he says, I think the message today is, let's look to the past. He says, therefore, let's look to what happened before. And I had a Bible college professor say, anytime you see a therefore in the scripture, you have to see what it is there for. And what it is there for here in chapter 12 is to look back to what happened in chapter 11. And it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, therefore is pointing us back to this great cloud of witnesses, other individuals who have been through it before and they have endured. 
Um, there are a couple ways to think about a cloud. One is like a little white puffy cloud in the sky that's just kind of independent. One way to think about clouds is that they're all-encompassing. This week, my brother Mark and I flew to North Carolina. We still own, our family still owns a nursing home that my grandparents started in 1965. And so we're now into the third generation of those who are trying to help and run that home. My brother Mark is the managing consultant for us. He goes down about every other week. He has his own little plane that he takes down there. And this week he said, hey, would you like to go with me? And I said, absolutely, that would be great. We're going to be interviewing a new administrator for the home. And so we fly, and on uh, Thursday we flew, and we get above the clouds. And some of you saw my Facebook post. It was such a beautiful sight. Basically, the Facebook post, I said, if you're, if you're discouraged by gray skies, get above the clouds, right? Took a great picture of that. And then on Friday when we flew back, we knew the weather was going to be bad. It was raining even when we got in the plane. And as soon as we took off, we were literally in the clouds. And we stayed in the clouds the entire flight until just before we got back into Middletown, Ohio. And I thought about this scripture when we, when we were in the middle of those clouds. Because when you're flying and you're in the clouds, you can't see anything. I mean, it's like you could not see the ground at all. And all I could see was rain. And, and there was literally, we were totally blinded. If it hadn't been for the trust of the instrumentation and my brother, who had my life in his hands. Oh. And uh, I was like, he said, just trust me. He said, uh, I said, well, what if the motor goes down? He said, we'll just glide to the, glide to the ground. He made it sound like a smooth descent, you know. We'll just glide to the ground. Oh, okay, fine. We're, I'm, I'm good then. I'm fine. But, uh, but when you're in the cloud like that, I want you to think about when he says, therefore, we have such a cloud of witnesses. I want you to think about that. We are literally surrounded. Even though you can't see, even though you can't see where you're going to go, even though you can't see the ground, you are literally surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And I want you to think about that. And the cloud of witnesses that he's talking about is chapter 11. And Hebrews chapter 11 is sort of, sort of the faith hall of fame. It's individuals you would all know. Individuals like Noah and Abraham and Moses and Joseph. All listed there as individuals who had faith. And he's describing them so that all of us will know, look, when you are weary, when you are going to grow weary, when you start feeling discouraged, look around and realize you are surrounded by a cloud. Everywhere that you go, realize that you have people who are there before you. And he says you're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And a witness is one who sees, but it's also one who speaks. One who sees something that happened, but one who speaks about it. And actually, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4 says that these individuals are still speaking to us. Look at what it says about Abel. By faith, Abel brought a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commanded as righteous. And when God spoke well of his offering, and by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead, even though he's in heaven. He continues to speak to us. His story continues to speak to us. He still has something to tell us. And as we read through chapter 11, I want to encourage you today to read with that in mind. What are these witnesses saying to you when you're in the midst of a challenging time as you are looking back to see what their example was? Verse 7 tells us of Noah. What would Noah say? It says, Noah, by faith, when warned about things not yet seen. So Noah was warned about a flood, but he's not yet seen rain, okay? And so when warned about these things, not yet seen, in a holy fear, he built an ark to save his family. By faith, he builds this ark. And you think, well, that's no big deal. He built a boat. I mean, that's great. But do you know how long it took him to build that thing? 120 years. That is a long building project. 
Like, I mean, could you guys imagine guys going to your wife and saying, look, babe, I know it seems like it's taking a while, but it's only going to take 120 years. I mean, it'll be there no time at all. We'll be all finished, all right? How many of you know that would cause some marriage challenges, all right? I hate wallpaper, but it's going to take me 120 years to take it off the wall. I swear, it will feel like nothing. But here he is building a boat, and he's never seen rain. And there are people around them that are discouraging them. And they have all these haters that are speaking against them. But he keeps doing what God has asked of him. And so when I think of Noah, I think that Noah might say, I know that you're tired. I know that you're struggling. I know the progress is slower than you thought it would be. But listen, the rain will come. That faith is sometimes waiting. And a lot of the stories in the Old Testament are like that, actually. That God is rarely early, but he's never late. You can trust him, even though it seems like you can't. And so for some of you, when you hear songs like, God, you will never let me down, some of you, you're feeling like that. God, you're letting me down now. But remember, God is always on time. I know it doesn't seem that way because we work off a different calendar. I have my calendar. God has his calendar. We, I'm on Google. He's not. And he's not syncing with my calendar a lot of the time. I have my own agenda. I have my own thoughts. And I just wonder, have we given God permission to be a part of what's happening in our lives? Have we been, have we been given permission to see what's in his calendar? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Sometimes nothing is happening in our life. Sometimes it seems like we're not going anywhere. And God just says, keep working. Keep working. That's what he's called you to do. I know maybe that it's been a challenge. I know that you've tried to talk to your neighbor about Christ. I know that you've tried to rebuild your marriage. I know that you've had hard conversations in your family. But I know it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. But stay in there because faith is waiting. That's what I think Noah would say to you. And then verse 8, it tells us about Abraham. And God told Abraham to pack up everything he had, go off to a different country and to live there. But he didn't tell Abraham where he was going to go. And so Abraham's like, okay, I'll leave, but where am I going? And God just goes, ah, just trust me, I'll tell you on the way. And the Bible says of Abraham that Abraham went without knowing where he was going. He went without knowing where he was going. And that's a challenge. That takes faith. And for some of you, that's the situation you're in. You're trying to be obedient to God. You're pretty sure you're headed in the right direction. You don't know, though. But you're not really sure where it's all going to end up. You're not sure how it's going to all be finished at the end. And he's not telling you right now. It's an opportunity to faith, to have faith. Abraham was faithful even though he didn't know where he was going. Same thing of his wife, Sarah. Abraham's wife, verse 11, she finds out she's supposed to become a mother, and she's going to have a son who would become the father of a great nation. But in the Bible, it says she was old and barren. And the Hebrew writer actually says of Abraham that her husband was as good as dead. How many of you men feel like that today? Amen. I love when the Bible is humorous. He's as good. I wonder if that came from Sarah. She's like, hey, put that in there. And my husband's like, he's as good as dead. And that's the phrase. And yet verse 11 says, Sarah believed that God would keep his promise because he's faithful. That didn't make any sense on paper. Physically, it seemed impossible, but God said it, and God, when he says it, he'll do it. And he did it. And so the challenge then is not to give up. When you don't know what's going to happen, or you don't know how it's going to happen, you have to stay faithful. So I think the message from Abraham and Sarah is, even if you don't know the end result, stay faithful to God in the midst of the process. Sometimes we have a fear of the future. We don't know how it's going to work out, and it paralyzes us. But the Bible says in verse 1 of chapter 11, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. When you don't know what's going to happen. You don't see it. And that's where faith comes in. If you've ever watched the Olympics, you know the downhill hill skiing event. 
and the Super G and all of that. And when you watch that and you think, this is incredible, how do they know where to go and all that, what you find out is that they don't get a lot of practice time on the hill. That they actually have to walk the hill, but the first people who are down the hill do not usually do the best because they don't know what's ahead of them. And then later, at the bottom of the hill, the coaches will call back up to other teammates and say, okay, here's what you're going to look out for. For, uh, for the gate number three, you've got to be careful as you go around that because it's, you, it's, it's a little bit slippery there. Stay a little bit wide on that gate. And then come around. They'll give you little tips on how to do that. And that's really what I see is going on here in Hebrews 11. This great cloud of witnesses that's already gone down the hill of life, that have already experienced these great moments of faith, they are calling back ahead, and they are speaking into our lives, and they're saying, here's something you need to watch out for. Here's something you need to be aware of. As you go around corner number three in your life, here's something you need to be aware of. That's what's happening in Hebrews 11. These individuals finished the race. They're calling back up to say, here's something you need to be aware of. And Abraham and Sarah, I think, would say, even though you don't know where it's leading, even though you don't know where it's going, you have to be faithful. Don't lose faith in the midst of the journey. And then verse 22 mentions Joseph. And we love the story of Joseph because Joseph was so faithful to God, even though, I mean, he had this dream. He saw what was God was going to do in his life. He knew the dream was real. But then everything fell apart. I mean, it wasn't his fault. He was sold into slavery. His brothers got rid of him. He ended up being thrown into prison for something he didn't even do. And yet you study his life, and Joseph kept the faith. He didn't feel sorry for himself, even though he could have. And one of the things that happens to you as you look back and you look back at your life is that sometimes you get discouraged, sometimes you become a victim, and it can happen to all of us. It can happen to pastors. One of the things that helps me is to stay aware of what's happening with other pastors and missionaries around the world. One of the reasons I like to go to El Salvador is I like to hear their stories. But a few years ago, Lisa and I were at a conference, and we were helping to lead that conference, and we were asked to pray for missionaries from around the world. And we just happened to be paired with a missionary couple from India. And so we're there with this couple. Our arms are around them. And they are saying, would you please pray for us? Please pray for us. We are experiencing persecution in my country. There are Hindu extremists. I have been beaten. We have had other ministers, other ministers and pastors who their wives have been raped. Would you please pray for us? And it's such a humbling thing when you hear that. And when you hear things like, this individual has been beaten for the gospel, the last thing I want to do is say, you know what, pastor, friend from India, I just received a really bad email this week that was super discouraging, and it just took me totally off course. I mean, that just seems totally inappropriate in the moment compared to what he's going through. I've never been beaten for the gospel. And yet this perspective is so important because he's teaching me, hang in there, stay in there, don't be a victim. All of us have a tendency sometimes to look at our situation, think it's the worst situation in the world. Those who are victims have a tendency to blame other people in situations for the way that we feel. I wouldn't feel this way if it weren't for you. We tend to be cynical and pessimistic if, we're, if, we're, if we are uh, blaming other people for a victim. Somebody does something for you and you kind of find the one thing that's wrong with that, whatever they did for you. And that's the way to point out their flaw. You're a victim when you can't let offenses go. Somebody says something or does something and you can't let the grudge go. That's a victim mentality. When a well-meaning person tries to give you some constructive criticism or some counsel and all you do is get defensive about that counsel, that's a victim mentality. You see that something needs to change, but you feel powerless to do it. And so the approach you take is to complain about it. 
complain about the situation. That's a victim mentality. When others don't give you sympathy, when others don't feel you sorry for you, it makes you angry. When you constantly compare other people to yourself, that's a victim mentality. It's easy for us to do, but Joseph didn't do it. And I think when Joseph, when we read his story, it inspires me because no matter what happened in his life, he did not throw his hands up. He did not quit. He stayed in the game. He literally sucked it up and did what God was calling him to do. And in the middle of that, he didn't blame anybody. He just simply stayed faithful. And I think the message from Joseph would be that even when it seems like people are against you and situations are not working out for you, stay faithful to God even in the midst of that. Even when you don't understand, don't become a victim. Become somebody who is victorious over what is happening in your life with having the right attitude, the right heart. And verse 31 tells us about Rahab. Rahab's story is interesting. Rahab was a prostitute. And she welcomed the spies in the Old Testament and helped them to be able to escape. And, uh, and while everyone else was being killed for being disobedient to God, Rahab was spared. And I love the story of Rahab because it tells us that no matter who you are, God can still use you. And I want to say to some of you today, because you might be feeling like, look, I feel weighed down by my past. I'm constantly b- reminded of the things that I did back then. I'm constantly reminded of the mistakes that I've made. And what I, what I believe about Rahab and what I believe about you and me is that God is still faithful. He still uses us. He still can accomplish great things through us. He can give you a new purpose. He can give you a new meaning. So I think the message from Rahab is don't let those old voices or those old tapes discourage you. Stay in there. Don't give up. Keep going. God can still use you. God is still on the throne, and he is still faithful. And as you look through this list of the people in Hebrews chapter 11, you just find so many of them that made colossal mistakes. They had failed in significant ways. And the Bible seems to go out of its way to include some of these stories of some of these heroes of the faith. They were heroes, of, of, but they had blown it significantly, right? But they kept the faith, and God still worked. And I was thinking about this. That you know that God would say to a group of us as we start 2019, that the message that he wants to give us today is don't ever give up. Remember the words of the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians, which says, do not become weary in doing good. For in due season you will reap a harvest of righteousness if you do not give up. If you do not give up. And some of you today, you need to hear that message. Don't give up. It's not time. Keep going. Keep enduring. Keep struggling through it. And in the end, You're going to find a result that you never would have expected if you keep the faith in Christ. So this series is about focusing not on our situation, but focusing and looking to the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross so that we would not become weary or faint-hearted. God, we just thank you today for your love for us. Thank you for your message today. God, thank you for the encouragement that we receive from the Scripture. It says, God, no matter what, we can be like Noah, who even though it took a long time for the rain to come, that, God, you were right on time. And sometimes it feels like something's not working out in our life in our timetable, but, God, you still have a plan. You still have a plan. Help us stay faithful. God, like Abraham and Sarah, we may not know the future. We don't know where it's happening. We don't know exactly where we're going. But, God, you've called us to stay faithful in the midst of the unknown. 
But God, maybe like Joseph, when it seems like people are against us, or maybe we have situations that have caused us to be discouraged, that God, like Joseph, we can stay faithful, and we can say that you planned it, that other people planned it for bad, but God, you planned it for our good. And so God, help us to stay faithful in the midst of that. And like Rahab, help us to not focus on our past, God. Help us to stay focused on the future. Help us to think about what you're doing now in our life, how you've used the past to teach us and lead us and guide us. Help us to remember this great cloud of witnesses that other people surround us, that encompass us, but help us to be able to finish to the end. And help us to be reminded of the words of the Apostle Paul, who said that he fought the good fight, he finished the race, he kept the faith, and now there is in store for him a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to him on that day. But not only to him, to all of those who have longed for his appearing. God, help us to be faithful like that, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together and worship. Uh, as I'm reminded about a cloud of witnesses, I want to encourage those of you who are not connected to a local body, the church, and that you would find access to be a place where you can be connected because you need people around you. I would also encourage you then to be involved in a community group. We have six community groups that meet throughout the week. That you would be involved in an opportunity like that. And if you have questions about it, please ask us at the Connect area today. We would love for all of you to be surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Not just the witnesses in Hebrews 11, but the witnesses that are around you today. People that have gone through it before that can wrap their arm around you and can say, come on, we can make this thing together. So let me encourage you to do that as you think about your goals for 2019 here at Access Church. Let's worship together.